Amen. Well, thank you all so much. You may be seated. Uh, we will open in the, the word in just a moment, but I wanted to, I've got a video. I think you guys have that. Let me just explain it before we, before we do that. Thank you, first of all, for those who pray for us and uh, who contend for us. I tell you, my wife and I, we went to the big island on just a day trip. We had like some airline miles and we're like, you know what? Let's just go for a day trip. We went on the first flight. We could get into the big island. We came back on the last flight. We could come back. And that was two years ago. And as we were driving around the entire perimeter of that island, we would just hit. I mean, we'd drive. And uh, how many of you have ever been on the big island? I mean, you take all of the islands and you combine them. That's how big the big island is. And so there's a huge amount of space. And we'd drive sometimes 30, 40 minutes and uh, we'd come into this little community where there's just, uh, you know, maybe 40, 50 houses and no church. And we're just like, we need to have a church here. Why isn't there a KC right here? And we began to go around all these different places. And that happened to us about 20 different times as we were driving around that island. And uh, I didn't know it then, but fast forward maybe six or eight months from that time, Dr. Morocco, we're in a staff meeting and he says... These words that grip my heart from the first moment that he spoke, and God has given me a desire to be on the big island. And I remember for whatever reason, my wife wasn't in the, the staff meeting that day, and I remember messaging her that day, doctor has a desire to be on the big island. And I think it was a week or two later, somebody, uh, I think Pastor Janelle, maybe, I can't recall exactly how it all played out, but somebody ended up calling me and said, we've heard that you have a heart for the big island. And I said, I haven't told anybody that. I don't know where this is coming from, but you know, we began in January and we have one minister uh, who's been just south of Kona for a number of years. Uh, she's been a part of our Honoka'a extension, that's Minister Adele. Uh, and she was a part of our first meeting. I think we had three or four uh, individuals that were in our first meeting. And, uh, you know, that was in January. This last Tuesday, we had, I think we broke, uh, this is a, a big record for us. We broke 40 <laughs> on a Tuesday night. Hallelujah. We're meeting out on the back porch right now. And uh, uh, I did not know when we began having meetings in January that we would be moving uh, this quickly. In fact, I don't know if, doctor, you remember this. You told me you came and you preached in Lahaina for our Christmas banquet. And uh, you said, you know, I traveled back and forth for eight years between uh, Maui and Oahu. I did that for eight years. And so I really thought, you know what, maybe we'll do this for like eight years. We'll just uh, go back and forth. And uh, I didn't know uh, six months later we would now be there full time, but I am, I'm so thankful. I'm so excited. It's been a delight to see uh, so much of our Lahaina family again. Thank you guys for coming out and uh, seeing, but I want to show you this video. And uh, in this, you, you, you notice that I'm tanner than when I was here, just a few. Now, just to let you know, it's not because we've been having beach days. Um, in fact, I don't think I've been to the beach since we've moved. Uh, but here's what's been happening. We've been spending every single day, we get these quotes like, oh yeah, we'll remove that massive pile of rocks for you for $15,000. And my wife says, you know what, we can get 10 men out here and we can remove that pile of rocks in about three hours. So guess what we do? We shovel rocks, praise God. And so uh, you're going to see now in this video, you'll, you'll see we, we began renting a, a little conference room. We began meeting in that space and, uh, and our meetings grew to where we were beyond capacity in, in that small space. And then you'll see some, some shots of the mall and, uh, and all that. But do we have the video ready? Let's go ahead and do that if we are.
Aloha. You like that blue roof? I think we're going to keep that. We're like a little version of the cathedral. Hallelujah. Well, I've got a good word for you. Would you stand to your feet? I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I, uh, I shared this about a month ago in Lahaina, uh, but like doctor said a minute ago, I know most of the people that heard it won't remember it a month later. And so I'm going to preach it again tonight. I think it's going to be a blessing to you. And I'm half preaching to myself as a reminder. This is a message that I uh, have entitled The Call. Everybody say The Call. Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James Version this evening. This is what it says. Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let's pray and ask the Lord's hand over this time together. Lord, we just ask you right now that you would pour out your spirit in this place. That even as we open your word tonight together, Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts and that you would transform our lives. Mighty God, every person within the sound of my voice, those who are in this room, those who are joining us online, in a parking lot, by stream, however they may be, Lord, I pray that you would touch, that you would move, and that you would minister to each and every one of our lives. Lord, I ask that an anointing would rest upon me. Church, would you just join me? Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. I just ask, mighty God, that an anointing would rest upon me, that I would preach your word with authority under the unction of your Holy Spirit, as I ought to, and that, God, you would anoint every listener within the sound of my voice. Let us hear what your spirit is speaking tonight, and I bind every work of the enemy. He who would try and divide, distract, uproot, divide, confuse the word as it comes forward. Lord, I pray that you would give us liberty in receiving your word tonight. We pray these things in the mighty powerful name of Jesus and everybody say amen. amen you may be seated Abram Abraham as we call him is is one of my heroes in scripture he ought to be one of yours in fact the New Testament Romans chapter 4 calls Abraham the father of faith and one thing that I've noticed is that typically in life we tend to celebrate um, individuals who accomplish great feats. We celebrate great musicians or, or great athletes. We celebrate those who have a great accomplishments in business or, or even in ministry. But what we often don't take time to look at is what the process was for them to get where they are today or what we look and we celebrate about their life. And what I know, some of you might think, now, Pastor Jacob, you had a great extension in Lahaina. Why would you leave to go do something else? I have no idea. But here's what I know. I will say, Lahaina, and, and I mean this with all of my heart. I, I, I shared this with our, with our church family there the last Sunday that I preached there two weeks ago. That time, this last season of ministry has been the most enjoyable season of ministry uh, in, in our 15 years of ministry with my wife and I. Uh, the church is incredible. But there's these moments that come where God puts these desires. He puts these little little tugs in our heart, like driving around an island and feeling like, I think there should be a church here. There may be moments where you're going and you feel like, I think I need to start a business or I think I need to call my, my family member right now. We all have these moments where God will begin to impress something on the inside of us and our response is to simply obey. I, I preach a message entitled, Head in the Cloud. And it comes out of Hebrews chapter 12 where it talks about how we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I know there's going to be a day, we saw it illustrated here a couple weeks ago in the production that was put on. There's going to be a day where we stand and we give an account to God Almighty for the life that we live, the things that we did, 
the things that we spoke or the things that we did not do. But I also know there's going to be a day where you and I will look upon those who have gone before us. Great men and women of God who did incredible things for the Lord. And I'm inspired when I consider that cloud of witnesses. Can you imagine for a moment what it's going to be like? Revelation 19 gives us a picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb. In that moment where you and I are going to go into this incredible banquet feast. And we're going to sit down and do you realize you're going to meet people who lived in the time of ancient Rome. Who died martyrs deaths. You're going to meet children who refused to deny Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as a result, were beheaded for their faith, eaten by lions, done away with in, in the most indescribable ways. And one of the thoughts that has always just kind of just been a, a thorn in my flesh, if you will, I know there's going to be a time where I may look upon a little girl who died in the Roman Colosseum because she loved Jesus. And there's going to be a time where a, a little girl like that may look at me and say, what did you do for Jesus? I gave my life for Jesus. And they'll tell you the story. And then they look at you and say, what did you do with your life? I anticipate those conversations. You're going to talk to Peter who was crucified upside down. You're going to talk to Andrew who was crucified. You're going to talk to the Apostle Paul who was beheaded for his faith. And they're going to ask, what did you do with your life? Well, Paul, you just don't understand. I was, I was real busy. Well, no, Peter, you don't understand this COVID thing. You just, you can't even imagine how. Think about how our excuses are going to sound on that day. This is the reason why as much as I love Lahaina and those people, when God puts it in my heart and says, I want you to start a new church, I want you to take an island, there is not a moment that I say, Lord, I, I don't know about this. Now, I may wrestle with it, and I absolutely seek the Lord, and I fast and pray, but I'm never going to tell God, no. There's something that God does when he releases the call upon our lives. This moment you see with, with Abraham, the father of faith, you can see how his obedience to the call ended up seeing great blessing that was brought out. In fact, do you realize that even us being blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus, it all flows down from Abraham's obedience years and years and years ago. How many of you would love to say, you know what, my life has made a difference. It's made an impact. It's touched people. I've been obedient to the call. I said yes when the Lord spoke to me. How many of you want to be faithful with the call of God that is on your life? Hallelujah. Me too. If you're taking notes, I've just got three very simple points. And they all flow out of these encounters that Abraham or Abram had with God. The first one I've already told you, it's the title of the message. The first point this evening is the call. I want you to say the call. Everybody watching online, say the call. All right, that was a test. You guys are half listening, praise God. I heard you at home and I heard you in house. The call. This is a, a fascinating idea. I don't know if you caught this the first time we read it. Genesis 12:1. The Lord speaks to Abram. He says, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. This seems backwards if you think about it. The Lord speaks to Abram, leave everything and go to the land. Well, what land are we going to, Lord? I'll show you. Where are we going? I'll tell you later. God, this doesn't really make sense. You're asking me to leave everything that's comfortable to me, my family, my home, everything that I've grown up with, and you're asking me to go, and now you're not even telling me where we are going. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I want you to understand that God now, he may or may not ask you to leave your family, but what I have noticed is that there was a moment in my life, in fact, I remember when I was first struggling to get right with God, I was in drug addiction. 
I was bound by all sorts of, of, of just, I was in sin. I won't go entirely into detail on that this evening. But I remember this moment where the devil began to play with my heart. And he said something that sounded like this. If you, if you leave all of your friends, then who's going to be a light in their lives? If you're not around your drug addicted friends any longer, then who's going to witness to them? And that may sound like a good plan, but here's what I've discovered. I can't do anything for anybody until God has transformed my life. If I'm still bound in addiction, if I'm still bound in immorality, there is a moment where I have to get out of who I've been around. I need to get away from those who drag me down, the things that defile me, the things that tempt me, the things that lure me. Now, I'm blessed today. I've been able to go back now years later and and be a witness in many of those people's lives, but I almost forfeited the call of God before I even got started because I wrestled with the idea, should I leave what's comfortable to me? I want you to think about this. Everybody, hear me, has a call of God on their life. Did you know that? I want you to look at your neighbor and say this, I am called. I want you to look at your other neighbor. Say, you are called. Every person within the sound of my voice has got a call on your life. Second Timothy 1.8 says this, don't be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus. Share with me in the gospel. This is Paul speaking to a spiritual son. Even to the point of suffering, according to the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Try and wrap your brain around that one. Anytime you're feeling disqualified, well, I could never serve the Lord because of this or that. You may have these moments where, where that accuser comes into your life and says, listen, you're, you're, you're still, you still got problems in your life. Listen, you destroyed that marriage. Listen, you still got this, this purity issue that's going on over here. Listen, you forfeited. You, you know how you handle money. The enemy will come to you and he's going to throw these ideas in your, in your brain. He's going to try and say, you're not, you're not worthy to walk in the call of God. And he'll try and derail us even before we begin. But here's what I want you to consider. Now, this is a, this is a deep thought here. You were called before you even breathed your first breath. God looked at your life and he says, I've got a plan for this one. I've got a purpose for this one. We just read the verse. It was given to us. It was a call, not according to our own purpose, but his purpose and his grace. He gave it to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You're called and it's not based on your works, but it is based on his grace, his purpose and his power. Everyone's got a call, but here's, you know how most of this begins? <laughs> and I, I, I wish this, this story kind of, kind of, it irritates me a little bit because I wish, how many planners do we have in the house? Okay. Like, like, is there anybody like when you go on vacation, you want to know every day, even down to the hour, what's, what's actually going to go on. Is anybody like that here? How many of you are married to somebody who's like that? Okay. And what's difficult about this is God speaks to Abram, let's go. I've got a call on your life. Great God, where are we going? I'll show you later. You know, the Bible actually says, even in a prophetic sense, we see in a mirror or we see in a glass dimly. That means that you're lucky if you can see the next step ahead of you. I didn't know six months ago that I'd be living in Kailua Kona today. I didn't know. I was seeing in a mirror. I have a sense that it's over here. Let's start knocking on some doors. I didn't know they'd fly open the way. But what I've noticed, I want you to hear me very, very clearly on this. Because some of you might be wondering, Pastor Jacob, what does this have to do with me? Does this mean that I should move to the big island? It might. No, I'm not. That's not true. I won't. (laughs) No, we're not. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. 
<laughs> Let me tell you where it begins. It begins with these small moments of obedience. It's little acts of obedience. In fact, I was reminded, I don't even know what reminded me of this, but my college roommate, his name is Scott. He, uh, he moved into to ministry. And I remember the first year that he was in ministry after we'd graduated Bible school, he calls me because something wild had happened to him. His church had gone into a season of prayer and fasting. And his senior pastor, he was like an associate pastor at this church. They would go on prayer walks. See, what the church had done is they decided they would designate different neighborhoods and they would have people who were in fasting and prayer and they would just prayer walk the neighborhood, believing for God to, to, to move into an entire neighborhood. So the pastor comes over to his, the senior pastor comes over to my former roommate's house and says, well, let's, let's prayer walk together tonight. And they had their regular route that they went. They knew the neighborhood that they were supposed to go. But as they were walking, as they were prayer walking, the Lord impressed upon them something strange. I want you to turn left and I want you to go down this road. Now they both knew that that was not a neighborhood they were supposed to walk. No, we're only supposed to do three, these three blocks right here. That's somebody else's neighborhood to prayer walk. But God kept on pressing upon them. And there was an urgency in this. You need to walk down this street instead. And so they, they agreed with one another. I think we're supposed to prayer walk down this street. And they began going down this road. And as they're walking, they begin to hear this rustling in the leaves in a yard. They look over. It's dark now. They look over and they see something straight out of a horror movie. They see an individual who is hanging from the tree by their neck. They look at this and then they realize they're still struggling. They race over and find that this man who had hung himself in a tree was still alive. They lift him up, they cut that rope, he ends up coming down and this is, this is very typical in suicide stories. This man ends up telling them that the moment that he put that rope around his neck and the moment that he dropped and his life began to leave him, he immediately regretted that decision. Here come these two pastors and they are able to save this man. And not only that, through this process, they end up meeting with this guy, leading him to the Lord. And at the time that he called me, that was weeks ago, he had been, he had been faithful in the church. He'd been serving God, had done a tremendous work in his life. Small act of obedience. Walk this way instead of this way. You never know. But I believe that God is looking for people. He's going to put a call on our lives. And what he's looking for is, are you going to be obedient to the call that I place upon you? Are you going to respond when I speak to you? So I ask you today, will you obey God? Even if all the details aren't lined out. God, where am I going? I'll show you. I'll show you when we get there. I'll let you know when we have arrived. You know, one of the things that I believe about Abram, I think, I may be wrong, but I think if God would have spoke to Abram, okay, God, I'll accept the call. Where are we going? Well, you see, what's going to happen is I'm going to give you a promise of a child, but you're not going to see that for 30 years. Um, there's going to be a season where you go into captivity. I'm going to take, uh, uh, Pharaoh's going to take your wife and there's going to be a whole uh, ordeal over that. And then you're going to go over here and, and you're going to have to fight for your nephew Lot because, uh, oh yeah, fire and brimstone is going to come down on the city that he lit. You think for a minute, if God would have told him everything that he was going to go through, he probably would have turned around and run away so quickly. I mean, how many of you, you think about where you've been with the Lord? Some of you have been walking with God for many years. <laughs> Doctor, do you think if the day you'd been called 500 churches, <laughs> you guys probably would have run the other way so quickly. Am I right? I mean, you guys, there's a reason God doesn't show you the whole picture. 
it would terrify you. Well, pastor, that just, you know, does that mean that God's going to ask me to do something big? He probably will. And I've heard people say, listen to me on this. I've heard people say, God will never ask you to do something that's too big. God will never ask you to do something that's too difficult. God will never ask you to do something that's beyond your ability. And I say, I disagree with all of my heart. I believe God will only ask you to do bigger things than yourself because then he gets all the glory for it. Are you going to obey? Are you going to respond to the call that God has placed upon your life? The first thing that God did is he, he called Abram. And you'll see in chapter 15, if you're quick with your Bible, you can turn there. Chapter 15, now this is several years later. After these things, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Everybody say vision. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? The heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Now, of course, he's contending for the birth of who we know will come eventually, Isaac. But God comes to Abram after he has accepted the call. And the second thing that he gives him is a vision. Everybody say vision. This is very, very important. That's my second point if you're taking notes tonight. As you go, I will anoint you. As you go, I will show you. And this is what begins to happen is Abram comes to this kind of pivotal moment and the Lord is speaking to him. I'm going to do some great things in your life, Abram. But Abram realizes what he does not have. He begins to look at the disappointments. God, you told me several years ago now that I was going to have an heir. I was going to have a son, but apparently you have forgotten that. And God does something that's so incredible. In fact, this is, this is what he does. I paraphrase it, but if you continue through that chapter, God speaks to Abram and he says, come here, get out of this tent, come with me. And he takes him outside the tent and he says, I want you to look up. Okay, what are we looking at, God? I want you to begin to count the stars. I believe Abraham probably began to count one, two, three. Uh, wait, I got that one already. One, two. And somewhere in this process, God, God came in and he stopped him and says, Abram, I want to give you a vision. As many stars as you see in the sky tonight, this is how abundant your descendants are going to be upon the earth. You know what God was doing? Abram was stuck in the past. Abram was stuck in his God, you gave me a promise and it still not has been, it has not been fulfilled yet. He was stuck in disappointment and God wanted to shift his gaze forward. I'm telling you, you will never see the call of God fulfilled on your life if you get stuck in the disappointments of the past. If you get hung up on some offense that happened 15 years ago. In fact, some of you might be sitting in this room tonight. You say, Pastor Jacob, you don't understand. I'm 60, I'm 70, I'm 80 years old. And I forfeited the call of God. I should have obeyed a long time ago. You guys remember Bible quiz. We just read it. How old was Abram when he received the call? 75. You guys are taking good notes. So if you're 75 or younger, you still got time. In fact, let me just, let me just say this. Did you know, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it was still a number of years yet before God even saw that promise released into Abram's life. We still got time. You can't get hung up in the what ifs and why this. And God, you forgot. 
He's not forgotten. But will you believe him? He's going to give us a vision, and it's going to be a vision that's bigger than you. He's given us a, in fact, my wife turned to me when we were receiving the daily, the daily seed just a few minutes ago. And she says, you realize that I've been a part of this church for over 25 years. And she talks about the days when they would stretch their hands in early morning prayer towards the map of the world in a day where we had no extensions overseas, where we had one extension in these islands. That's when she was a part. She was a part of the first extension in Molokai that happened. She was a part of that. She got to see vision become reality. Aren't you thankful that we've got some people in KC who say yes to the call of God and are willing to run after a vision no matter how crazy it seems at times? Boy, I sure am thankful. I'm thankful for Dr. Morocco. I'm thankful for Pastor Colleen. I'm thankful for you guys. You know, I, I think about the fact that every time I I get to be in a in a church service like this. I, you know, I mean, I give today, and I give to the building projects today, but I didn't give to see this building built. Some of you guys did. I get to receive of the benefits and the blessings of your faith yesterday. You understand what I'm saying? And for those of you who give into a building, pro, what is going to become of this park? What's going to happen across the street over the next number of years? You know what? We're going to have a part in that because we gave into a vision. Some of you are going to have a part in what God does in Kona and all across the Big Island. I'm not just believing that God's going to raise up just one great church in Kailua, Kona. He's going to do that. We're praying he does that quickly. But I'm believing that we're going to have many extensions all across that island. And for those who give in it today, you're giving into a vision. One day we're going to have a part of an inheritance because we believed God for something bigger than ourselves. I don't know if you're getting anything out of this, but I'm, I'm preaching myself happy anyway. In order for a vision to be fulfilled, it must be believed, it must be received, and it must be obeyed. And for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to jump to the last one here. Let's review quickly. What was the first part? The first encounter Abraham had, he received what? The call. Everybody say the call. What was the second part? He received a vision. And God's going to give us vision. Now, the third one comes out of chapter 17. It says this, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. He says, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. I will make a covenant between me and you. I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You will be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me, you, and your descendants after you in their generations, an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. You know what God gave him? God was giving Abraham here a word. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. God gave him a word. I want you to think about how insane this would be. Now, at the time that God spoke to Abram, he was believing. And at this time, he is 99 years old. For many years now, he's been believing God for the, the fulfillment of, of, of the promise, the call that he had placed upon his life. And something very fascinating happens. Now, one thing that I know we don't really understand is uh, in Hebrew culture, names actually mean something. You know, you might know what your name means, but when you say, hey, my name is, is John, hey, my name is Bill, I have no idea what that name means, right? You know, you know what I'm saying. But in Hebrew culture, it was not that way. Everybody knew when he introduced himself that his name was Father. That's what Abram means. 
And here is the irony that God puts on him a word that he will be a father. And for 99 years, he's believing that he will be a father. His name is father, and yet he has no children. And then one day he goes into a prayer meeting and the Lord speaks to him. And he says, listen, your name is no longer father. I'm changing your name to Abraham. And that literally means a father of a multitude of nations. I just, you know, I love my wife and I always think she's the first place that I go. And I just imagine if I was Abram coming out of that prayer meeting and she's 95, by the way, honey, the Lord has spoken to me. We're going to be parents. And not just of one child, but the Lord has has, has has said that He is going to make us, He's going to make us parents over a multitude of nations. And by the way, my name isn't Abram anymore. You're going to call me father of a multitude of nations from now on. Now I'm going to stick with my family for this illustration for the sake of social distancing, praise God. But you imagine everywhere he went, hi, my name is Father of a Multitude of Nations. My name is father of a multitude of nations. You imagine every person that he met, he was declaring the word of God. I believe this is why God changed his name. Because you understand, God doesn't give these, these designations. He doesn't give titles as just some, you know, flipping thing. He is literally releasing identity into Abraham. And he's literally putting on his mouth every time he says his name or every time somebody calls from him. He is hearing the word of the Lord being prophesied over and over and over again. This is why we pray, not just once a week. You know, that's what most churches do. And sometimes not even that. That's why we pray every single day. And we make declarations. In fact, I was taught a long time ago. <laughs> I was taught how to pray by an African man from Ghana. His name is Guy Pei. He's an instructor at Christ for the Nations. And he's seen seven people raised from the dead all across Africa. And I'll never forget, this guy taught me how to pray. He'd, he'd hand me a, a, a prayer card and say, hey, let's pray for missionaries uh, who are going overseas. And I began praying like this. God, if it's your will, let, uh, let healing transpire overseas. God, if it's your will, I pray that, that people will get saved. God, if it's your will, I pray. And about the third time I said, God, if it's your will, he stopped me and he rebuked me flat. If it's God's will, do you think Jesus shed his blood for healing and salvation and freedom? Of course, of course it's God's will to see these things happen. So he rebuked me and he says, you make, you pray differently. We're going to make declarations. These missionaries are going out and people will be saved and people will be healed and people will be delivered. What words are we speaking? What kind of declarations are we making? Well, God, if you want to do this, I'll tell you, you're going you're to be waiting a long time to see the promises of God fulfilled. Some of us are, are even hesitant. Now, I say this in love, but some of us feel like we're irritating God when we come to him with some request, with a declaration. And God, I just don't want to bother you. My time is... You know, I'm just insignificant in your eyes. Don't, don't say that. You understand God put that vision in you. He put that call upon, he, he let you be a part of a church like this for a reason. Be willing to take the word of God and begin to release the word of God. I'm telling whatever you're believing for, I'm telling you, it should be as frequent on your lips as it is every time you hear your name. Every time you read your name, every time you speak your name, you ought to have the word of God and his promises on your heart that often. Are you with me tonight, church? If I could have the worship team come, I'm, I'm coming to a close. 
You know, one of the things that used to drive me crazy when I was trying to get a grip on my life, 2003, 2004, I went to, to AA in NA meetings. I was just looking, you know, how, how can I get free from this drug thing that, that had gripped my life for so many years? And one of the things, even at that time, and I'm very early in my walk with God at that time, one of the things that irritated me so badly was anytime I w- wanted to address the room or share anything, I had to stand to my feet and say, my name is Jacob and I am an addict. I understood even at that time that my words and my declarations were very important. You know, today I, I don't walk around saying what I used to be. I, I don't wanna, I, I don't want, you understand that's, that's the devil's territory. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who's gonna say, no, you're a, you're a failure. You're divorced. You're in perversion. You're an addict. And if you begin to hear those voices, especially when you're coming in the place of worship, or you begin to, I want to do something for Jesus, and all of a sudden you hear those words come into your heart, you need to pray a prayer that I learned a long time ago. I'm going to teach you a real simple prayer the next time the accuser comes into your life. Are you ready? Some of you might want to write this down. You hear the devil come to you and begin to whisper accusations. This is what you say. Shut up, devil. (laughs) it's that simple you tell him to shut his mouth because the bible says that you are a blood washed saint of the most high god i'm not gonna wear the badge of what my what i used to be tell the devil that's not my name any longer that's not my name any longer no i'm faithful husband I'm drug free. And not only that, I help lead people in deliverance and freedom from their addiction. God uses me. I'm a church planter. I'm a pastor. I'm a father. I'm a husband. There's a lot of great titles that I get to wear today. And you do too. What has God declared over your life? What is the devil speaking over you? Do you know the difference? Because I'll tell you, God, he will speak to you about sin. Don't get me wrong. But one of the ways that you're going to know the difference between God is speaking to you about sin and the devil speaking to you about sin, God always provides a way out. He always provides a way out. God's concern when he begins to, to put his finger on an issue in your life and say, you know, we, we need to get this thing right. And he leads us to the cross. He leads us to that precious blood of Jesus. And if we would only believe in him, it would wash away every sin. It would cleanse us and make us brand new. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? We're going to pray. I'm going to pray in a moment for those who you say, you know what, pastor, I want to be true to the call of God. I want to step into that vision no matter how big it may be. I'm going to put God's words on my mouth, not the enemy's words. But before we do that, I just, I feel led in this moment to pray for those in this place that you may be in sin. You know tonight that you're separated from God and you say, you know, I I can't step into the call of God until I get right with God. I'll never forget. I was reminded of this story just recently. I, I don't know why, but my, my iPad was messing up on me a couple weeks ago. And this document kept on opening up every time I opened my, opened my iPad. And it was a memorial service for a funeral I did years ago. It was very weird that it opened, but God brought this story back to my remembrance. It was a time we were doing a tent revival in Southern Illinois. We had a week of meetings. God was moving powerfully, so we extended the meetings. Went into a second week, and this tent was jam-packed with people from all the surrounding area. And I, as always, I gave a salvation altar call. People who need to get right with Jesus, come on. There were hundreds of people that night who came down to the altar, got right with Jesus. I prayed for them. Let them go back to their seats. 
And this is the one and only time this has ever happened to me. God impressed upon me, give another salvation call. God, I just gave the salvation call. Why would I give a second call? Give a second salvation call. It's one of those obedience moments I was talking about earlier. So I, I mean, I'd already prayed for people. Let them go back to, I mean, it was done. But I went back into it. I said, you know, the Lord just pressed it upon me. There's still one person here who needs to get right with Jesus. Who is that? And I waited an awkward amount of time. But I kept on pushing and I kept on pushing. Finally, there was a 17-year-old boy, his name was Zach, who stepped out from his seat and he came down to the altar. Hundreds of people here. One young man stepped down to that call. I went down to him. I prayed with him personally while everybody was waiting for us. I led him to Jesus. That night, he caught a bus to East St. Louis. It's a very rough area. And Zach was murdered that night. I saw the newspaper articles. It looked like something out of a horror movie. But he was killed. And I remember thinking in that moment, God, I'm so thankful that I was obedient in that moment. It was a horrible tragedy. But the silver lining is that, you know what? One day, I'm going to see Zach in heaven. I'm so thankful I was obedient. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed all across this room. Some of you here, you say, Pastor Jacob, I need forgiveness. I've got sin in my life that's creating a separation between me and God. But tonight I want to get right. I want to get on track with the call. I want to do something with my life. But right now I've got stuff. I've got junk in my life that's tripping me up. That's slowing me down. And I believe tonight that if we would come to Jesus with our sin, he'll save us. He'll set us free. You can walk out of here a new creation with a new name. Nobody looking around right now. You say, Pastor Jacob, I want you to include me in your prayer. Before I leave here tonight, I want to know that I'm right with God. If that's you, the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand so I know exactly who I'm praying for. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm right with God. I don't want to leave here knowing that I'm separated from God. If that's you, on the count of three, would you just lift up your hand? One, two, three, hands up. Yeah, 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 I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you over there, I see you there. Other others, you say, pastor, include me in your prayer. Hallelujah. There's dozens of hands all across this room. If you're watching online, we've got a number. It's gonna come up there on the screen. You let them know. I want to make a decision for Jesus. The Bible says this, that if we would call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. If we would confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we would be saved. I'm going to help you with that declaration tonight. The faith, the belief, that's up to you. But I can help you with the words in this declaration right now. All across this room, would you just lift your hands to heaven right now? And let me pray for you. Would you pray this with me right out loud? Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I've sinned. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me in your blood. Make me brand new. Forgive me, for I've fallen short of your high and holy standard. Take from me my guilt and my sin. And give me your righteousness. Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. From this moment on, come live your life through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now I want to pray one more thing. How many of you, now this is easier. How many of you say, Pastor, I want to be true to the call that God has placed on my life? I want to do, okay. I think that's most of us. I think that's most of us. Would you just lift your hands right now? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill. We can't do it without the Holy Ghost.
And he's the one who's going to call us. He's the one who's going to give us vision. He's the one who's going to put his word in your mouth. So let's just invite him right now. If you have the liberty to pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to do that. Invite the Holy Spirit right now. Mighty God, we just do. We ask you right now to fill us in this place. God, we want to do something that matters in the light of eternity. We don't want to waste our life. We don't want to squander the call that you have placed upon us. And so we ask you, mighty God, would you fill us? Would you equip us? Would you empower us to do what you've called us to do? Lord, I pray all across this room that you would fill us, that you would anoint us, Lord Jesus, for your power and for your purpose, mighty God. I bind the works and the declarations of the enemy over these lives. That harassing from Satan that has come over your life, I command it to cease in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to speak the call and the word and the vision of what you desire for us to do for your glory and for your namesake. Speak by your Holy Spirit, mighty God. Oh, we pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I tell you what, I, I'd lay hands on everybody if I was allowed to do that tonight. I feel the fire of God in this place. I'm going to leave you with this. I'll hand it over to Dr. Whatever he'd like to do after this. I want to go back to the first thing that I shared with you tonight. You're going to hear from God. Your responsibility, are you going to obey? Are you going to obey? That small prompting, that step of faith, are you going to obey him? I'm going to obey. Are you going to obey? Hallelujah. Me too. Doctor, would you come? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.